Chills from NZ, a podcast chocker with all things Aotearoa New Zealand and some about me, Jules. Cheer! Kia ora, tēnā koutou katoa. Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ. Ke te pehea koutou, how are you all? Ke te pai, I am good. It's been a while again and there is a lot to catch you up on with what's been happening here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. What I've decided to do is share some new snippets and let you hear for yourself what we've been up to. So, here's the news. News Nuggets Let's start with some lighter news to give you all a giggle. Lower Hutt christened their electric recycling trucks and named them all. Painted their names on the side, very large letters, to be clear. The new electric trucks would reduce annual carbon emissions equal to about 473 less cars on the road. And that's great, but that's not why I'm sharing this news. I'm sharing because they put it out to the public to name the trucks and vote on their favourites. And so, of course, the public took to the challenge with gusto. The final seven are Bin Diesel, Truck Norris, Recyclosaurus Rex, Bruce Spring Clean, Trash Gordon, Chitty Chitty Bin Bin, and of course, the classic Trucky McTruckface. Those that didn't make the cut, but are still kind of hilarious and should be mentioned, are Lord of the Bins, Dustbin Bieber, Lightning McLean, Chris Binship, which is kind of a political New Zealand joke, and Binny Anderson. Not a, a bit of garbage in that collection, if you ask me. I love them all. <laughs> And speaking of interesting vehicles and wholesome news, in Christchurch you can find a very sustainable Lamborghini sitting in a shop window. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron really, but it's true. It's actually made of cardboard and it's sold for $10,000 and it's pretty incredible really. It was made by an Aucklander, David Jones, who filled the creation and shared it on YouTube. And I will be posting a link to that in the uh, notes, so go check it out. It was sold in a charity auction, um, supporting Starship, Star, oh my goodness, Starship Children's Hospital, a very, very worthy cause to the well-known philanthropist Dean Graham. He chose to display it in a Christchurch mag and turbo store that he frequents regularly so the public could come down and check it out. He's actually got a collection of around 120 different vehicles and a man cave he's working on next to the house and is planning on inviting the kids from Starship Children's Hospital. Why is that so hard to say? to come um, check it out and go for rides in the vehicle of their choice. So the whole thing is actually pretty cool, actually. And I was providing a happy buzz buff because, of course, as with news and events, there is always the flip side. And to cover it up now wouldn't be telling the truth. So let's dive into the darker items now. Starting with that racism is still alive and well here, sadly. I know that's no surprise to you, but it's kind of always a surprise to me. 
There's been a few clear incidents of this one, but this one was very stupid and social media based. And I just kind of want to talk about it, mainly because I just want to talk about it. Um, Air New Zealand posted a gorgeous picture of the Auckland skyline at sunset on Facebook, clearly showing the iconic Auckland sky tower and captioned it, silhouettes at dusk along the calm harbours of Tamaki Makaurau and everyone lost their damn minds. Replying with things like, you've gone too far this time, use the right name, not that language no one understands. Or, if you're so in love with Māori, then why are you called Air New Zealand? Or, I don't live in that gibberish name, I live in Auckland, get it right. Or the more passive-aggressive, oh, Auckland looks lovely, not that other place you mentioned. Or just, you know, pleading ignorance. I don't know what place you're talking about. Really, Karen? You forgot what the Sky Tower looked like? Mmm, really. I guess the reason it hacked me off so much is that it could have been this awesome teaching moment. So many New Zealanders didn't actually know the Māori name of Auckland as Tāmaki Makaurau. I mean, I know I didn't. (laughs) I liked the post and I went to comment on how beautiful the whole post was and thank them for posting it. And I'm sure you can see the problem already. I shouldn't have. The commenters just turned it into something ugly. And I can hear you all yelling at me, right? Never read the comments. But I mean, I went to comment and who could have seen that coming? Really? And for what purpose? Like, why do it? They saw a beautiful picture and turned it into a chance to share their ignorance and their hate with the whole world. What happened? You know, to like, if you don't have anything nice to say, then shut your damn trap. I know that doesn't work for everything, (laughs) but it annoys me that people feel still emboldened to be racist in this country when we have all but like taken Māori's culture from them beaten it out of them in, in like, history's case and made them feel ashamed of themselves. And the struggle to bring it back is so real because so many Māori don't even know their own language. Why beat them further over a caption on a beautiful picture? Anyway, I'm ranting now. And honestly, there were just as many people in the comments fighting that good fight and pushing back against that blatant disrespect. And I shout out to them. Because while I want to, fights in the comments suck the life from me. And I just can't fight with trolls anymore. I do this instead. And what I wanted to say, that this is still a surface example of the everyday fight. And proof that we have so much more work still to do. Why this is so important. To keep using te reo as much as we can. And I'm working on it. Proven by another uproar in the community about a project that New Zealand government funded and their opposition spread a malicious rumour that Aotearoa's more racist population picked up and ran with. And I've had more fights with people in my life recently about this than the COVID vaccine or trans rights lately. And that's actually saying a lot, considering that the vaccine is coming, it's on its way, it's really close now, and that we had a trans rights rally in the capital really recently because a group calling themselves Speak Up for Women, who are very clearly anti-trans, they've got a very definite opinion of what a woman should be, um, had a talk recently in Michael Fowler Centre on the same day as the rights rally. 
um, which was awesome, by the way, and incredible and just a wholesome time. So good for them. Um, anyway, back on topic. So what's the project that has everyone in a tizzy? Well, Hard to Reach has been given $2.75 million from the proceeds of Crime Fund for a methamphetamine rehabilitation program called Kahukura in the central Hawke's Bay. Sounds fine so far, right? Can't imagine what the problem would be, right? Let's look closer. So what is it? It's a Ministry of Health. MOH spokesperson said Kahukura is a live-in marae-based program using a mix of te ao Māori and Western mythologies. It aims to address past trauma and drug use and spill better coping mechanisms and prevent relapse. It's a 10-week course consisting of eight weeks of a live-in program and two weeks of intensive reintegration. Participants are then provided with wraparound support for another six-week period following this. Re-engaging with te ao Māori and te kanga is a key component and aims to build identity back up and resilience. There would be up to 10 participants plus their partners and family with up to 30 participants on each course, 120 people in total per year for three years, the spokesperson said. The organization involved in running this program, Hard to Reach, is run by co-director Harry Tam, a former Mongrel Mob member. Mongrel Mob being one of the main gangs in New Zealand. The program involves participants working on a community garden. The garden is on a Waipawa property that is home to Sonny Smith, uh, described as a lifelong gang member, and his wife, Mahinarangi Smith, who is the program's facilitator. So what's the problem exactly? You're all smart people, and I'm sure you've figured it out. But let's share some of the headlines that went about this when it happened. Um, just to really slam that home for you. One of the new headings that Radio New Zealand ran with was Ardern backs 2.75 million support for mongrel mob meth addiction program. That's nice, huh? Accurate journalism at its finest. New Zealand Herald, though, wasn't much better. Mongrel mob-led Kahukura meth rehab program given 2.75 million from proceeds of crime funding. Joy. But here's the thing. Getting their hands on the money wasn't exactly easy. They've actually already been doing this program off their own backs with relative success. And Ardern stated that all proceeds of crime funding decisions went through a group of ministers, including herself. And this particular program had been brought forward by the Ministry of Health, supported by corrections, police and the Ministry of Social Development and the local Hawke's Bay police who trialled it in 2020. When asked about having people in the mongrel mob as part of the program, Ardern responded with this. There are individuals who have had gang-related backgrounds who are involved in running the program, that is true. But it is also designed to try and address drug use within gang membership as well, so it is not unexpected that those with a background would be involved in the actual program. It's a marae-based program that is residential, and the question and the choice we have is that we either accept that we want drug rehabilitation programs to involve those who have criminal backgrounds, or we exclude them. My view is, if they are involved in crime and victimization, I want to address meth addiction with those groups. They are perpetuating a problem. 
if we choose not to do that, then I don't see how we solve the problem. Egg. Exactly. It's proven that people who have been there are the best shot in helping others get out. I mean, you only have to look at Alcoholics Anonymous and you'll find a recovered alcoholic supporting others' recovery or any other similar programs. You can obviously have your own opinion on this in terms of whether you think that the government should have given money to a program which is so closely affiliated with other people that were or are still are in the mongrel mob. But what you can't say is that the government is giving the mongrel mob money because it's not. (laughs) Anyway, this could be a move for good, and we'll never know if we don't try and say to those people that we support their good choices. So to all my friends who have pessimistic thoughts or racist comments, just stop. If you end up being right, then that's just sad, sure, but if you're constantly telling someone that they're no good and that they will never change and giving them no opportunity to actually do so, then what choice do they have but to keep being the same? So just stop. And if you want to be religious about this, then pray for their safe rehabilitation and a better future. This might just be the shot that someone is waiting for. And that's all I'm going to say on the topic. Because then the worst news of all came in a dark time for Wellingtonians when Tahi, the one-legged Kiwi of Wellington Zoo, passed away. Tahi had lived at the zoo for over 15 years due to his injury, meaning that releasing into the wild wasn't something that we could do. He was a beloved fixture of the Kiwi house, and we were all bereft. Tahi, meaning one in te reo, because of his one leg, arrived at the zoo after being found in an illegal leg hole trap, or otherwise known as a gin trap, up in Northland. At that stage, he still had juvenile feathers, so the zoo team estimated he was 20 to 25 years old when he died. Tahi gained fame in the mid-2000s when Weta and the Artificial Limb Centre fitted him with a prosthetic leg. But despite these efforts, Tahi hated it and was always kicking it off. A picture book was actually written about him called Tahi, One Lucky Kiwi by Melanie Drury. And you can still find that and purchase that out there. He was the only permanent resident in the twilight, Te Ao Mahina, which now sits empty and will be closed for the foreseeable future. So what took him? Well, we don't actually know. He was the third Kiwi to die at the zoo from a series of very similar symptoms. Only a few months before his death, two other Kiwi, due to be released into the wild, became lethargic, disinterested in food, developed stomach ulcers, and died soon after. No other Kiwis are going to be obtained until environmental factors can be ruled out and a massive investigation has been launched. And that they know what happened to these precious taonga these treasures of New Zealand. I hope they do figure it out as it's so sad to see it close now and all the kids' sad faces as they miss their tahi. It's time to lift things up a little now. Start digging ourselves out of the darkness and into some vandalism. This bit of news I've included just because I couldn't really believe it. I was both kind of horrified and not surprised and also very surprised. (laughs) Things be crazy lately. Basically, some vandals hotwired a small digger 
and attack some concrete foundations for a new 80 apartment block in Flatbush, Auckland. And then they also decided to hotwire the much bigger digger, like one of the massive ones with a 20-ton bucket on a crane arm, and tore a brand new house to the ground. The owners were basically due to move into this house in less than a month, and there was so much damage, they had to start again. Apparently, according to the GPS data, they'd been there for hours, from like 1am. And you can see it go down, can't you? You know they're drunk and going, I've always wanted to drive one of these. I mean, luckily for the other seven attached townhouses to this one destroyed house, they couldn't figure out how to turn the digger, so they actually only destroyed the end one of a block of eight. But that's bad enough. Like, do they not hear about the housing crisis? I mean, oh yeah, New Zealand has a housing crisis. Like, the house prices are the highest they have ever been. And basically, you have to be rich and be dating someone who is also rich to even have a shot at owning your own home anymore. Or in my case, have an amazing friend sell you her place at a great price and a dad who can help you buy it. Yep, against all odds, who'd have thought I own a house now? But I'm getting off topic. Let's go back to the dudes. You know the dudes. Who thought this was a good idea? They got lucky. Hilariously, the company was about to have cameras installed due to the theft of some gear from site a couple of weeks beforehand, but that was happening literally that week. Not soon enough to catch the vandals in the act. And somehow they were also there for hours while nobody noticed. That is crazy to me. They single-handedly screwed 81 people out of being able to live in their homes on schedule because they have to rip up the entire of the foundations and lay them again too and probably made all of those people's lives much harder and will probably get away with it. I haven't been able to find out anything about them finding who did it and that is crazy. Anyway, let's keep digging upwards. Something with more lights, if not actually light in itself, is New Zealand's Prime Minister is going to have a movie. Not actually star in a movie, but a movie based on her and her actions around the Christchurch mosque shooting of 2019. And Bridesmaids actress Rose Byrne is to play Ardern in the movie, so it's definitely captured some attention. The film They Are Us is being billed as an inspirational story about the young leader's response to the tragic events and will follow Ardern as she helped rally the government and New Zealand public behind a message of compassion and unity. They say, They Are Us is not so much about the attack, but the response to the attack and how an unprecedented act of hate was overcome by an outpouring of love and support. The production will take place in New Zealand, and New Zealand screenwriter Andrew Nicholl who has won a BAFTA and been nominated for an Oscar for his film at The Truman Show, and he directed Gattaca, The Host, and Good Girl, is, you know, obviously involved. So it seems good, right? But here's the thing. Not everyone is thrilled about this, as you can imagine. I mean, the only thing Ardern herself has said about it is that the government and herself have no involvement in the film. You know, it's not good when she's just like, I've got no involvement in that. Nope, nope, that's not on me. (laughs) Even she knows it's a bad idea. Members of New Zealand's Muslim community have been blindsided with the news of it, not knowing anything about it until reading on social media that it was already in production. A general feeling of bad taste is in many people's mouth and about making money off the tragedy, with nothing coming back to the community who still suffer to this day. 
Apparently there was consultation with the community in the creation of the script, but they're not revealing who, and many of those who are actually affected by it know it wasn't them, so they're pretty confused about the so-called consultation. There are so many big questions around the representation of the victims and the tragedy itself that need to be answered for that community before they can even think about vaguely supporting it. Many in the community criticized the film already, fearing it would feed the problematic white saviour mentality, and they are just super calling for it to be shut down. To be clear, they're not even calling for the story to never be told, just to wait a bit longer, do a bit more work with the community, and in fact make more change for good in Aotearoa around legislation and rights for Muslim before patting New Zealand on the back with a movie about how we did a great job, especially when we know we still have a long way to go. But as an opposing thought and an echo of a conversation I had with someone cleverer than me who lives overseas, overseas, not overstairs, um, do other countries need this movie as a reminder of what kindness and good leadership actually looks like in this day and age when, well, that's not common. Um, is this bigger than New Zealand? I don't think our country is perfect and I've never pretended that it was. I've always given it to you straight. But what I do know is that most of us try damn hard to be better every day than the day before. And I have friends all over the world who would give anything to be as welcomed and respected in who they are and as they generally would be here. So do they need this movie? Do people for whom the thought they are us is a foreign one need this movie? Would it change even one racist mind or crack the surety of others? Would it help? Is it worth the possible pain of others if it did so? Knowing the wheels of Hollywood, I imagine this movie is still churning away in the machine somewhere and will come out one day soon. It's up to you if you choose to support it or not. I'm still not sure what I'll do. I'll sit on it a while longer and think more when the time comes. Speaking of sitting for a while... Let's talk about the mini COVID disaster that happened over here not long ago. We in Wellington had a brief scare with a level two lockdown, level two meaning that um, we basically had to go back to uh, distancing, masks, um, serious, um, you know, sterilization and blah, 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 all of that kind of stuff, which is pretty common for most countries everywhere. Still, we know that um, we are lucky to ever be in level one where we don't have to worry about those things we know so but going back into level two was a little scary there for a second because the trans tasman bubble had sprouted an active case leak basically we'd worked on a bubble with our neighboring country of australia which would mean that travelers could come and go without having to do the two-week lockdown upon entry to the country meaning that families and friends could actually now see each other in a way that was financially and, you know, just time-wise um, able to do so. It seemed like a dream to be able to see people that we haven't seen in over a year. People flew overseas for holidays with Farnow and had a bunch of fun until some nitwit flew while sick without getting tested and doomed everyone to a lockdown and an immediate shutdown of the bubble, immediate, trapping people on either side, away from jobs, away from family, away from their finances. My friend and prior landlord hasn't been able to get to her daughter for the holidays, but at least she's stuck on the right side where her job and her home is. Some people were not that lucky. 
And they're only recently talking about opening up limited flights to get people home as there isn't enough spaces for all the Kiwis stuck in Australia. And now people are scrambling to prove that they're more urgent a case than others. The whole thing is crazy and absolute proof that traveling is not something I'll be doing for a while yet, even when it looks tempting, even when it looks stable. Although there is some good news on the horizon. Aotearoa is due to get our biggest delivery of the vaccine yet. 1.5 million due in a couple of weeks. And people are nervously awaiting emails and messages to know if they're going to get the call to be one of the lucky ones to get vaxxed. There is still a few nitwits going on about how they're not taking it because they're idiots. And I stand by that statement. The so-called evidence that the anti-vaxxers provide for why you shouldn't is all stupid as far as I'm concerned. And you can call me and tell me otherwise if you like, but that message is never getting aired. And not because I'm scared of the so-called truth, but because breath should not be wasted on the subject, let alone airtime. I am very hopeful that I'll be one of them getting the call due to my stupid asthma and blood condition combo, which does have its perks sometimes. And I'll let you know all about it when it happens. Speaking of floods of things arriving, I'm expecting my floods of calls on that. Uh, Wellington and the top of the South Island had some crazy weather recently. Actual serious flooding stopped traffic dead all over the place and slips crashed down and covered the road in some pretty hefty mud. My dad couldn't leave his place easily, actually, due to the water creating such a deep puddle where his road met the motorway into the city that it actually couldn't be driven through, not even with his beastie Hilux double cab ute. I had a new water feature in my backyard where the tiny little trickle of a creek flooded to more like a pond, and I was actually getting worried it might cause me more serious trouble when the rain finally stopped. And I know, without a doubt, I got off easy. There were houses destroyed as cars were lifted and pushed into them, or the force of the water itself broke down walls. There were many injuries, and almost the entire city of Westport found itself underwater. Many people evacuated, and as of yesterday, returning to homes to start the cleanup and damage assessment. It's been a bonkers time over here. Especially seeing as the entire of Wellington, if not the whole of New Zealand, has been glued to their devices for a fairly different reason. We wait with bated breath and eyes peeled, ever on the horizon, to see what the fate of Tower, the stranded baby orca, will be. That's right, a stranded baby orca. We're all deeply invested. Tower was found over a week ago, beached in Plumerton, just out of Wellington City. They helped get it free, sent it out to sea, hoping it would find its own pod still nearby, and it promptly beached again. And they tried again, with a similar result. Reluctant to let the poor helpless creature die, hundreds of volunteers have come to help within the control of the Department of Conservation, or DOC, Whale Rescue and Volunteers. So some searching for its pods and planes and helicopters and boats, some erecting a pool of sorts where they can help care for the baby Toa getting in and swimming alongside despite the freezing weather to care and feed the baby, and some just coming down with coffee and sausage rolls for those in the water to help them stay warm and fed. Estimated to be about four to six months old, the baby tower is not yet weaned, and finding his pod has been labelled critical. Everyone is looking, and there isn't another plan. So when the weather was bad in the weekend, they moved tower to a paddling pool on the wharf so that they could be safe while looking after the baby. 
as while Toa could withstand the waves, the volunteers were super struggling. <laughs> Today he was moved back to a sea-based pool location and there is still no word of his family having been found. They recently said that the situation was nearing a delicate stage, was their words, and had now stretched beyond what would be normal for a marine mammal stranding. And I think we all know what that means, and I'm very worried about it. I'll keep you posted, as I'm sure that like you, that you, like all of us, are now deeply invested in Toa's survival and safety. So there you have it. That's a sprinkle of the news here in Aotearoa. There is obviously a lot more going on, deeper than that, darker than that, lighter than that, um, but we just don't have all day to keep sitting here together, even though I'd love to. I think it shows pretty much who we are quite well, those news articles, cheeky, well-meaning animal lovers, trying to do the right thing, but with a whole lot to learn about what the right thing actually is or means. Next episode will be a glitter episode filling you in on all my RPG activities, life updates, and boy have I been doing some super interesting things lately. I'll also be posting and addressing all those amazing call-ins that I've received over my break, and I thank you all and every single one of you who has called in or messaged and keep me motivated while some bonkers stuff has been going on over here, not just in the news, but in my own life as well. I mean, I did mention, I bought a house. Um, if you're enjoying listening to Jules from NZ, please give the show a review on your platform of choice or tell a friend. It all helps. Enohora, kakite ano, aroha nui. It's good to be back. <laughs>